Hello and welcome to the Fit Leaders Podcast, the podcast for leaders seeking sustainable success. I'm your host, David Chinsky, founder of the Institute for Leadership Fitness and creator of Fit Leaders Academy. Join me as we explore how fit leaders enjoy vibrant lives marked by personal health and sustained contributions. In this podcast, The Demographic Advantage, I'm going to talk about the five different generations working side by side. This was never supposed to happen, and this demographic diversity is presenting a variety of workplace challenges. We often think of different generations falling into a specific band of birth years. For example, the traditionalists, the generation that has been in the workforce the longest, often were born between the years 1925 and 1945. The baby boomers were born generally between the year 1946 and 1964. Generation X, born between 1965 and 1976, Generation Y, 1977 to 1995, and Gen Z, the generation that has been in the workforce the least amount of time, born generally starting in 1996. Even more important, though, than the years into which a generation was born are the common experiences a generation shared as they were coming of age. I believe that it's these shared experiences that truly separate one generation from another. Let me give you some examples of the experiences that shaped each of these five generations, and I'll also share with you some names of individuals that fall into each of these five generations. Let's start with the traditionalists. There are two individuals that I believe epitomize or are great examples of this generation. One is Senator Robert Dole, who is still alive and in his 90s. And a second example of someone in this generation would be former Secretary of State Madeleine Albright. I have a just a brief story to tell you about Madeleine Albright. My wife and I were in Prague in the Czech Republic. Many years ago, I was giving a speech at the International Leadership Association. And the evening before my address, my wife and I were walking to dinner, and we happened to be taken to our table by the maitre d'. And as we were getting closer to our table, I said to my wife, I think that's Madeleine Albright. And as luck would have it, we were seated right next to her and her dinner companion. Now, I didn't make a big deal about this. I paid attention to my wife, and we had a very enjoyable dinner. And as Madeleine Albright got up to leave, she proceeded to spend 15 minutes at our table talking to us about what she was doing in Prague. She wanted to know what we were doing in Prague. And it was just the most wonderful conversation. And I just enjoyed that very much and still respect her to this day. She's still active on many of the news talk shows and is still bright as a tack even though she is in her mid to late 80s. Those are two individuals uh, that can serve as some reference points for this traditionalist generation. Some of the experiences that this generation shared include the Great Depression. This was a time where people were not feeling secure about their money, about their, their jobs, This was also a time where many people would have to stand in long 
lines to get food. This was a, a time where the concept of the U.S. government changed drastically with Franklin Roosevelt's New Deal. Prior to the New Deal, the role of government was quite limited. And so with the expansion of, of program after program under Roosevelt's New Deal, many people began to look for assistance and look for help from the federal government when in the past they looked elsewhere. So I'm going into a little more detail on each of these experiences because what it suggests is that they have influenced and shaped the way people feel about their jobs, about their money, their economic security, the role of their government. And these are some of the changes, some of the influences that shape a generation. This was also the generation of World War II, the golden age of radio, and also the emergence of unions and collective bargaining. So that's the first of the five generations, the traditionalist generation. Next came the baby boomers, all 80 million of them. Some examples of baby boomers include Bill and Hillary Clinton. Bill and Hillary are now in their mid-70s, uh, Samuel L. Jackson, Steven Spielberg, Meryl Streep, also in their 70s. So the traditionalists today are in their 80s and 90s, and the baby boomers, generally speaking, are in their mid to late 70s. What did they experience? Well, one of the, the most preeminent experience was the Vietnam War, and perhaps more importantly, the protests against the Vietnam War. Many baby boomers will tell you proudly that they marched in Washington um, against the Vietnam War. The civil rights movement and the role of Martin Luther King also was an important experience of baby boomers. This was also a time when people moved out of the center cities around the U.S. and began to move to suburbs or, or suburbia, as it was known. This was also where we were focused on getting to the moon and planting our flag on the moon. This was the time of the Cold War, Cuban Missile Crisis, and also the first time televisions were around. So in the traditionalist generation, as I mentioned, it was the golden age of radio. Baby boomers were the first generation to actually have televisions. I remember that when I was a little boy, there were only a few channels on our TV. Initially, it was just a black and white TV. And then after about five years, we were able to purchase a, a color TV. And back then, the children were actually the remote. The children would go and move the channel, change the channel, and they would also sometimes hold the rabbit ears, which used to control the reception, or people would put tinfoil on those rabbit ears. So again, if you're a baby boomer, you're going to relate to these. If you're a Gen Y or a Gen Z, you're probably scratching your head and, and saying, what is he talking about? And, and again, that's what we are talking about. We're talking about how these experiences are somewhat unique to each generation and have in different ways, shape the way generations think and how they they do what they do based on how they learned to approach life and their expectations about all the things that matter to us. If we move to Generation X, Gen X, some examples of people here. Elon Musk is an example of a Gen Xer. Jennifer Lopez, J-Lo, Damon John, famous uh, for his role on Shark Tank and also his uh, immense success 
in uh, the design world. Uh, Sarah Blakely, who was the founder of Spanx. All of these individuals are in their 50s. And some of the experiences for this generation include fuel shortages and the rise of OPEC, so the oil cartel, playing with supply of, of oil and, and causing actual fuel shortages. There was actually a time where people had to stand in long lines uh, to get gasoline. And often when you got to the gas pump, there was no more gas to purchase. And at one point, there was actually a rationing schedule where you could only buy gasoline for your car on odd or even days based on the last digit, the last number of your license plate. So a lot of people don't remember that. And it was very scary for some people because obviously people need gasoline to get to their job and to drive to other places. So this was a, a time of scarcity for people. This was also the generation that experienced the Challenger explosion. And when I say this was the generation that experienced the Challenger explosion, I'm not saying that this is the only generation that experienced it. Many of the other generations were alive when this happened. It's just that it likely didn't have the same impact that it did on Gen X. So what we're really looking at is what happened when people were coming of age, when they were starting to think for themselves. So even though other people saw the Challenger explosion, this happened at a time where it kind of shook the people in Generation X to their core and it affected them a little bit differently. Gen X is also the generation of Watergate and President Richard Nixon's resignation. I can show a picture of the Watergate building to a large room of students that I teach and guaranteed half the room cannot identify that building. The other half can. Traditionalists and baby boomers can identify the Watergate building because they remember it from the news of the time, although Generation X experienced this at a more pivotal time as they were coming of age. And it began to sour people on government and on the ethics or lack of ethics in government. Generation X was also known as the latchkey generation. This was the generation where for the first time in many, many families, both parents were working and away during the day. And so a key was often placed securely somewhere under a rock or on a ledge so that children could let themselves in. Finally, Generation X saw the collapse of communism. They saw the Berlin Wall coming down. And also was the generation where AIDS, the AIDS virus, first surfaced and began to create anxiety and, and stress for people who were concerned that they might get this disease and die from it. The fourth generation, Generation Y, or the millennial generation, is characterized by individuals such as Lady Gaga, Justin Timberlake, Serena Williams... Aston Kutcher. These are just some of the headline names that you'll likely recognize. These are individuals who are now in their late 30s to mid 40s. So just to give you a sense of the spread of ages, we talked about traditionalists being in their late 80s to late 90s, the baby boomers currently in their mid 70s, Gen Xers, 50 to mid-50s. The Gen Yers, or the Millennials, again, 
late 30s to mid 40s. Some of the things that characterize this generation, obviously we recognize the millennials as being very tech savvy. They were the first generation to really grow up on personal computers and and also cell phones. This is a generation that likes instant gratification. This generation unfortunately experienced the the beginning of schoolyard violence with the Columbine incident. And this generation also experienced 9-11 in a very different way than other generations. Again, because of when it occurred in their lifetime. So we've talked about traditionalists, baby boomers, Gen Xers, and millennials. The fifth generation that has just recently entered the workforce is the Gen Z generation. And some examples of people in this generation are Greta Thunberg, that many of us have gotten to know, Mulala, who we also have come to know as the Afghanistan woman who has been advocating for the rights of young girls and and women to study, to go to school. And also someone you may or may not have heard of. He he goes by the the name uh, Jeffo. Uh, His actual name is Jeffrey Yang, and he's an Australian social media star. So a lot of the folks in Gen Z have become known to others through their influencer role on many of the social media sites. This is a generation that grew up on social media. YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Amazon.com, Uber, Lyft. So this gives you a sense of what some of the main influences have been for each of these five generations. And these experiences have shaped the way people think about many of the most important aspects of their life. Now, while each generation grows up with their own set of common experiences, and usually in a certain span of birth years, It's important to avoid labeling people in a generation as all the same. In fact, I know many baby boomers that behave more like millennials, and I also know some millennials that behave more like baby boomers or Gen Xers. So generations are not boxes that that we need or should place people in. They're simply clues to how we might want to approach and manage individuals in these different generations. One of the things that's important to remember is not to label people. These are broad generalizations, and while they do hold pretty well, generally speaking, people can be unique. One of the things that is easy to recognize, particularly as each of these five generations mingle in the workplace, are sources of intergenerational conflict. And I want to just address four of them in this podcast. The first one is work ethic. So baby boomers and traditionalists sometimes complain that millennials are uncommitted to their jobs and work only the required hours, and that often millennials will switch jobs after a very short stay at their current employer. Conversely, Baby boomers often are viewed by millennials and Gen Xers as being workaholics. So on the one hand, 
you have baby boomers and traditionalists saying, why aren't the millennials staying later? Why aren't they working harder? Why aren't they taking on more projects? Why are they going home, quote unquote, early? Well, you've got millennials and Gen Xers and Gen Zers looking at baby boomers and questioning the level of commitment and sacrifice that they've made over their life where they've often put their job ahead of their family. Another source of intergenerational conflict has to do with loyalty. So as you look at the different generations, about 70% of traditionalists report that they would like to stay with their current organization for the rest of their working life, which isn't unexpected given that they've already spent so much of their life with their current employer. You would not necessarily expect them to say that they're looking to make a change after being there so long. Although when you look at baby boomers, it's about 65%. It's 40% for Gen Xers and about 20% for Gen Yers and Gen Zers. A third source of intergenerational conflict has to do with what we'll call respect and authority. Workers that have been around the longest, the traditionalists and the baby boomers, often want their opinions to be given more weight because of their experience, and they expect other people to do what they are told. Workers that have come on board more recently, however, want to be listened to and have people pay attention to what they have to say. This can be very annoying to people that have recently joined the workforce because legitimately they want to have their ideas considered and don't want to wait around until they've been with an organization for 10, 20, or 30 years like the people that have been there for most of their career. This is really an opportunity for the baby boomers and the Gen Xers to really appreciate the contributions of those that have joined the workforce after them and to learn that there might be some new perspectives and some new ways of doing things that would actually be better. And so when we have people from a generation by default always believing that the way they do things is the best way doesn't necessarily create the camaraderie and the sense of inclusion that all of the generations would like to have. A final area of intergenerational conflict falls into what I call the work-life balance area. So one characteristic that is often attributed to millennials and Gen Xers is their desire for more balance between work and life. As children, millennials and some Gen Xers saw their parents lose their jobs despite making sacrifices for their careers and grew up to value a balance between work and life. And it wasn't just losing their jobs Millennials and Gen Xers also often saw their boomer parents getting sick, having heart attacks, becoming divorced because of a lack of attention at home. So relationships that were compromised or sacrificed. And so millennials and Gen Xers said, gee, what's wrong with this picture? I don't know that that's the life I want to sign up for. And so when they decide to devote time to their families, to their hobbies, 
to their friends, they're doing it because they're trying to assert some type of balance in their life so as not to repeat the story that they watched when their baby boomer parents gave most of their life to their job and not as much to their family. Additionally, baby boomers often think Gen Xers are too impatient and willing to throw out time-tested strategies, while Gen Xers often see boomers as being inflexible to change. Traditionalists also see boomers as self-absorbed and too forthcoming, while boomers view traditionalists as dictatorial and rigid. The generations that have been in the workforce the longest consider Gen Yers as spoiled, while Gen Yers see generations that have been around the longest as too set in their ways and out of touch. Traditionalists and baby boomers link formal authority and accountability to hierarchy. Millennials and Gen Zers turn to competence and expertise to define the formal authority structure. So while each generation has something to teach the other generations, we don't always stop to appreciate this because we often think that the way we've learned to do something is the only way or perhaps the best way in our mind to do something. Let me give you a a personal example here. I remember calling my children and having them answer my calls right away. Yeah, dad, what what do you need? Then all of a sudden, they stopped answering my calls as quickly. And I was pretty frustrated. Like, why aren't you answering my calls? Someone then suggested that I text them, which was new to me at the time. When I texted, they responded immediately. So I could have made a big deal about their not answering my calls. And instead, I discovered a more efficient way of communicating with them and with others. So this is the flexibility and the openness that all of us have to bring to our interactions with members of other generations. There are going to be some areas where one generation might actually have it right. There might be a better way to show up with customers, and that is an opportunity to provide some coaching and maybe some constructive feedback. And in some cases, the other generation might have a better approach. So no one has a monopoly. No one generation has a monopoly on the best way or the only way to do something. So think about how you might build some bridges to more regularly connect with others in your environment, in your organization, in your workplace, where there are different generations. Look for opportunities to bring people together from different generations. If you're looking to solve a problem, try to get people sitting around the table that represent all of the different generations so that you are able to capture all of the different perspectives and approaches. Because a baby boomer may not even think of something that a millennial or a Gen Zer might suggest and vice versa. So the more that people around the table look different from one another, and in this case, we're talking about age or generational differences. We want to also apply this to cultural differences, racial uh, differences, gender differences. Although in, in this particular podcast, we're focusing on generational differences. Look to bring people together that can represent those different viewpoints. Also, look to create an organizational culture that is flexible and relaxed and has open communication that encourages sharing and innovation and offers flexibility. Finally, think about instituting what we'll call a reverse mentoring program 
where millennials who are more technologically savvy can be asked to share their technological knowledge with other generations in the workplace. When we think of mentoring, we often think of the people that have been in the workforce the longest mentoring people who have just joined the workforce. In a reverse mentoring program, you look for what the generations that are newer in the workplace have to offer and have them help those that have been in the workplace longer. So remember that when it comes to generations, we don't want to label people or pigeonhole people in a specific generation. They are simply clues. And if there was one takeaway, it would be label jars, not people. If you would like to learn more about how to honor and appreciate differences, whether it's generational differences or other differences in the workplace, I invite you to visit fitleadersacademy.com, fitleadersacademy.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.